Pankaj Mishra, as you would probably know, he is an essay writer and a novelist from India, and he writes for a lot of global publications. He's written quite a few notable non-fiction works as well. Um, one of the recent ones and more noticed ones was Age of Anger, which was published in 2017. And uh, then there is another book called Bland Fanatics, which he published last year. So there have been a lot of works, but today I'm not going to talk about all these works. I'm going to go back probably around 25, 26 years ago and when he was in his 20s and he was just traveling around India and uh, starting his writing career and that's when he wrote his first book called Butter Chicken in Ludhiana. It's just a travel and non-fiction kind of a work in which he talks about about various places in which he travels to from north to south and he experiences different things so let me give you some idea by reading the first few pages of this book so here we go I began from Shimla. I had spent the past summer there, shielded from the tourists in a small village where the most conspicuous activity during the day was the light changing from the white glare of the afternoon to the soft blues and greens of late evening. A lone Maruti van, sometimes, hurtled down the narrow, dusty road and disgorged a party of overdressed tourists, the men in three-piece suits, the women in shimmering salwar kurtas, the kids in screaming fluorescents, at a viewing point from which could be seen the entire valley in its gorgeous verdancy, as well as the snow-caped mountains in the distance. The tourists would stand and stare perplexedly for a few seconds and then they would be in a hurry to leave, to flee the oppressive silence and solitude and go back to Shimla wherein beckoned the mall's colourful bustle, the beautiful people from Chandigarh, the petulant Punjabi beauties and their strapping young squires the video game parlors, the hotels with their nightly cable offerings of a new Hindi movie and the shops blaring out the hits of the summer. Understandably, I waited for the summer to pass. Towards the end of October, I went to Shimla and found it cleansed of tourists and restored to its permanent residence. Winter was moving in. It was chilly in the shade and all along the mall there were now huddled groups of office workers soaking up the sun's warmth clutching tepid glasses of tea while the video game parlors remained silent and uniformed waiters struck melancholy poses in front of 
empty restaurants. I stroll down to the bus stand to inquire about buses to Mandi, five hours away to the north. I was directed to a bus which, even as I asked, was going to Mandi and which I decided to inspect before taking it to the following day. Travelling in Himachali buses had never been less than an ordeal for me. They were generally filthy, invariably overcrowded. But there were no real alternatives and too often in the past I had taken the painfully expensive taxis only to find that I had entrusted my life to a reckless young lout, the ink on whose driving, driving license was not yet dry, but who clearly believed himself as the wind blew his long hair on the narrow winding bumpy roads, one with the immortal gods. A taxi to Mandi, however, was unaffordable if not unwise. There remained the buses of which the best example, a superfast service, stood before me. And as I looked it over, I felt my heart sink. Five hours of being bounced around in this ramshackle vehicle, hemmed in from all sides by people and luggage, didn't seem an agreeable prospect or, for that matter, an auspicious beginning to the arduous travels ahead. So I went back to the ridge and bought a ticket to the daily luxury coach to Manali. The service was run by the state-run tourist department. It was expensive enough to make one expect it would live up to its name. The ticket bought, I checked into the YMCA for the night. Somewhat nervously, as two friends who had stayed there recently had come away with some mysterious skin infection. But the place, in my own experience, had been reasonably clean. It was certainly a lot quieter than other hotels in the same price range and had, with its large gloomy rooms and eccentric servants, far more character. The company at dinner comprised largely a party of Finnish missionaries who flashed warm Christian smiles at everyone as they walked in. There were two young British couples whom I overheard discussing Boy George with a strange passion. There was an American couple in their mid-forties who ignored everyone else, slouched over a distant table, talking subduedly between themselves. Later, however, they came over to join the after-dinner group of coffee drinkers as they sat around the TV set, listening to two plumpish Italian girls narrate their tales of wow in heavily accented but accurate English. The girls complained of being cheated right and left ever since they arrived in India, apart from being sexually harassed. Most recently, they had paid rupees 1000, more than double the usual rate, to travel in a taxi to Shimla from Kalka. If that was not enough, the taxi driver had on the way made some improper suggestions. We hate India, one of the girls declared. I don't know why people in Italy praise India so much. It is the worst country I've been to. The other girl said, 
आई थिंक द एंटायर कंट्री नीड्स वेरी अर्जेंट सेक्स थेरेपी सेक्स इज ऑल इंडियंस एवर थिंक ऑफ इट इज एन ऑब्सेशन द ब्रिटन्स लाफ्ड अन ईजिली एट दिस द फिनिश लुकड ईगर टू ब्लेम इट ऑल ऑन द हेथन्स लैक ऑफ फेथ the americans ever sensitive to issues of both sexual harassment and cultural relativity looked very anxious i was the only indian in the group and i had only been half listening trying to concentrate on the hindi news on television read this evening as seemingly on all others by the cadaverous salma sultan now as the narration gathered intensity I felt a few glances in my direction not hostile merely curious as if to see what I made of all this I didn't make much under the circumstances I had heard too many of these stories later on my travels I would encounter far more disturbing ones and they would force me to reconsider my own attitudes of indifference at the time i turned defensive and thought well traveling in india may have its hazards for women tourists but are they really more than those faced by tourists all over the world indeed it was possible that a brown skinned indian tourist in milan would have had a sadder story to tell or an african tourist in southern louisiana but this was this was clear even then people talked of a new world the global village and how the world had become a smaller place but one did not have to travel too far in it to realize it was still a very big place and that the old barriers were still in place modern tourism had done away with the inconveniences of the past only rarely and often voluntarily did a tourist encounter ferocious tigers poisonous snakes and murderous bandits on its way but it had not done away with and often had merely exacerbated the xenophobia racism and sexism of the old world none of this in any case would have consoled the two italian girls so that rather than attempt a redressal of sorts which in the circumstances could have degenerated into a pointless effort to demonstrate that while indians do think of sex only a few can afford to think of it to the exclusion of everything else and that those few are probably comparable in quantity to their italian counterparts rather than take this churlish line I got up and walked back to my room leaving behind a sudden silence and dreamt later in bed of waking up horribly disfigured by some mysterious skin infection